0: Has anyone ever said to you something that's caused you to doubt? Or have you ever said anything that's affected someone else's faith? Words and actions hold power. What we say and what we do affects the people around us. As Christians, we are called to speak and act in love, meaning, we are not just to throw around careless words or do things recklessly. Last week, we looked at Christian judgment in Romans 14, 1 to 12. We as Christians are called not to judge others, but to judge ourselves according to God's word. This week, we're going to continue Paul's letter to the Romans as he finishes his thoughts on judgment and Christian behavior. Uh, Turn to Romans 14. But before we go into that, we're going to pray. Dear Lord... uh, We bless you for this day, and we thank you that we can be here today to hear your word. Uh, I ask that you would be with me as I preach the gospel to your servants, Lord, and that uh, we will open our hearts to what you have to say. Pray for those in Texas and Houston, Lord, that you would be with them and provide for them as they work through their struggles. You were sovereign even in this, Lord. Uh, Bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 14, we're going to recap just verses 10 to 12. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, let each of us give an account of himself to God. In the next few verses, Paul's going to finish his thoughts on Christian judgment. It's important to to note real quick, these are behaviors, they're fruits of being saved by grace. It's not requirements. As he works in our hearts and lives, this is the result of what Jesus does for us. Follow along as I read verses 13 to 16. Therefore... So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Right off the bat, Paul says to stop passing judgment on each other. He's just finished finished most of his thoughts on judgment a few verses ago, and now he's ready to present the conclusion. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So not only does he want us to stop judging each other, On top of that, we're not to make a brother stumble. We're to decide not to. It's a conscience choice. A stumbling block refers to any action you do or words that you say that could cause your brother to sin or to doubt their faith. Here's an example. Do you ever wonder why we use juice for communion instead of wine? Wine is traditionally what was used for the Passover. So why substitute it with grape juice? The reason is because of love for each other as God's children. We want to walk in love as Christ did, and as Christians we are called to. We use juice in case of any recovering alcoholics within our family, or because of any who are convicted to never let alcohol touch their lips. The uh, Wesleyan Methodist Connection Church back in the 19th century was convicted to not drink alcohol. So much so that in their communion service, they would only use unfermented wine. Then in 1869, Thomas Welch, a member of the Methodist Church, invented a method of pasteurizing grape juice so that fermentation was stopped and the drink was non-alcoholic. He pursued local churches to adopt this non-alcoholic wine for communion services, calling it Dr. Welch's Unfermented Wine. That's how we ended up with grape juice for communion. But even if we use grape juice, the symbolism, the memory of Christ Jesus and his sacrifice are still present. So if by using juice instead of wine we can avoid causing somebody to sin, then we should use it in order to help our brothers and sisters maintain their convictions and faith, thus not causing them to stumble. The first point today is we should build up each other's faith by determining to not be stumbling blocks. We should build up each other's faith by determining to not be stumbling blocks. Paul then goes on to tell us that he is confident in his faith in Jesus. In verse 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. Paul, wholeheartedly, as I hope you do too, believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. To have faith in Jesus is to have faith in God. He is persuaded in Jesus that nothing is unclean by itself, for if everything is from God, it cannot by itself be unclean. We see this in the very beginning of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 31. And God saw Everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. See, it's us in our own sinful nature that corrupt the world around us. We corrupt the things God has made. But if everything from God is clean, why is it wrong for someone who thinks that something is unclean to do it? It comes down to your convictions in Christ. If you are convicted to not eat types of meat, drink alcohol watch certain types of movies or anything else, then you shouldn't. Have you ever been convinced that you shouldn't watch a violent movie that just came out, maybe Deadpool, and then you went and watched it anyways? Because it looked cool? Did you feel guilty after? Were you convicted? You can apply this to a lot more than just movies or meat or wine. That feeling of guilt you got or have is because in your heart and mind, you had a conviction not to do that, and then you went against that conviction. You've gone against your conviction and betrayed your own faith. That's sin. Paul is saying, when you go against your convictions, you go against your faith. You go against God and your trust in him. You did not act in your faith, and therefore you sinned. But we are, by nature, weak. We need wholly to lean on Jesus. We need to have strength and trust in him. We need to lean on his strength. We cannot do anything good on our own. For if it is not by faith, it is sin. But just remember, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. You have forgiveness. Admit your sin. Ask for his forgiveness. Be forgiven. Our God is gracious. In verse 15, Paul says, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. By his death and resurrection, Jesus paid the price for sin. Those who believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord will be saved. When we cause a brother to stumble... We are destroying perhaps years of work that the Lord has been doing in their hearts and minds. Would you risk it? Don't be the one to cause a brother to sin. Verse 16. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. When you consider something good, but do it in front of a brother who is convicted and does not think it is good, you cause him to stumble. Doesn't that make it bad then? in that case paul is saying that in order to maintain the goodness of your convictions don't cause a brother to sin through it here's an example if you have a vegetarian over for dinner do you feed them meat or do you serve them food without it you consider meat good they consider it bad paul is saying that you cause a brother if you cause a brother to sin by Eating or even serving meat, who's convicted otherwise, you cause him or her distress. Distress is to wound or hurt. By serving the meat or eating it in front of them, you're not considering them and their convictions. You're not walking in love. So then, eating meat which you consider good becomes something wrong or for evil because it causes them to sin, to stumble. That's what he means in verse 16. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Don't corrupt it by turning it into a stumbling block for others. We are called as Christians to love. If you love them, don't wound them, and don't wound their faith. In order to walk in love as Christians, we must consider others and their convictions in faith. Instead of injuring their faith, We must build them up in it. It's important to help build each other up and not tear down the work that God has been doing in our lives. Paul then goes on to instruct us on what else we can do to build up our faith together. Uh, Read with me verses 17 to 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. The kingdom of God is not focused on eating or drinking, but on righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We are to pursue God's kingdom, and within that pursuit we are to seek peace, we are to seek righteousness, and we are to seek joy. How can we seek and gain these things? On our own, it's impossible. However, through the Holy Spirit, we can pursue them. Not on our own strength, but on His. As believers in Jesus, we are called to love like He loved. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. As we learn to love like Christ, we become righteous. Through him and in his love, we learn peace. Through him and in his love, we learn what true joy is. God loves us even in our sin. You see it throughout the whole Bible. In Genesis, he creates Eve so Adam won't be lonely. And even after they sin, God spares their lives and promises that a Redeemer will come one day. With Noah in the ark, God saves a remnant of each species and Noah and his family from his just punishment when the world was full of sin. With the Israelites throughout the whole whole Old Testament, God is constantly bringing them back to him when they wander, even when he has to discipline them. It is out of his love. Then, in the New Testament, God fulfills that promise to Adam. He sends his only son, Jesus Christ, to become a man and die a blameless death on the cross. And bearing the weight of our sins, we are forgiven because of Jesus doing that. We are redeemed. You Redeemed means to be bought back. Something is owed. When you redeem, you are paid for. We were sold into sin from birth, and Jesus pays the debt of that. He bought and saved us. He did it out of love. We all know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The first step to seeking God's kingdom is coming to Christ Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If you are convicted of your sins, but you haven't been forgiven... Flee to the cross. Come to Jesus. He's waiting for you to seek him out. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Turn away from your sin. Follow Jesus. Begin your race towards the kingdom to come. Through Christ we can do all things. He is our strength. When we submit to Christ and pursue the kingdom of God by serving in his love, we are accepted by God. God doesn't accept sin, but every single one of us are sinners. We are not only covered in it, but filled with sin from birth. It is only by Christ Jesus that our sin is paid for making us acceptable before God. When we walk in step with Jesus, people notice. Christians stand out. When Paul says, and approved by men, he means that we should behave as Christians in a way that glorifies God. People look at the way Christians act, and they approve of it. People, they don't condemn it. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Our second point today is we should build up each other's faith by actively seeking God's kingdom together. We should build up each other's faith by actively seeking God's kingdom together. Let's pursue God. Let's do it together. Helping one another along. It's not about running the race alone, you're never alone. Pursuing God's kingdom is not something that you can do without moving, though. The word pursue literally means to follow in order to overtake. It's an action. James 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's no time to be idling around doing nothing. Where is your fruit? What have you done to pursue God and glorify him? If you're stuck on idle, you need to start moving. Find someone who is further along in their faith than you. Ask them to mentor you. Become a disciple. You don't need a map to find out where you're going. God knows. You just need to start moving forward. You have us, you have the body of Christ to walk, to run with you. So now we're talking about being active. Have you ever tempted somebody with dessert who's on a diet? And I mean a diet. Like, they are diligently pursuing this diet to either get fit to lose weight or to become more healthy. They are convinced that they need to stick to this diet. They've even got a trainer who's helping them with this. And they've been doing it for years. Let's add another dimension, though. Say that they have a weakness for desserts, specifically cookies. Can't blame them. Cookies are awesome. Then you enter the picture, and you have just brought baked cookies, and you bring them, and you approach them, and you say, "Hey, you know, would you, would you like a cookie?" And they're like, "Oh, no, 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 I'm a, I'm on this diet. You see, I can't I can't have cookies." But then you go, "Oh, that's too bad. You know, I just I baked them this morning." Or how about you don't even offer it to them? How about it's just enough for you to eat the cookie in front of them? And they are tempted to sin. See, they've been able to hold on to this diet for years, but then, just like that, in a moment of weakness, they succumb to that temptation. The diet that they had been sticking to for so long is now ruined. Right? Just like that. The cookie itself, though, was not bad or evil. It's just a cookie. Even though it becomes a temptation, and the person on the diet gives into that temptation and eats it, it's still just a cookie. But you, by doing this, have instigated their downfall in that diet. By offering or even just eating the cookies, you've caused them to go against their conviction to sin. Now, diet isn't a faith, isn't your faith, but it is conviction. Do you see how easily in comparison it could be to undo years of work that God has been doing in somebody's life? Verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The third point today. We should build up each other's faith by abstaining from anything that would cause each other to stumble. We should build up each other's faith by abstaining from anything that would cause each other to stumble. Here's another example. Let's say that somebody really struggles with being a shopaholic. They can't resist the deals uh, that they find on shoe, say. Now, I, I really enjoy shoe shopping. Uh, I own probably more than I should for shoes. you know, uh, But I don't go often, and I only go once in a while, But uh, say I hear that there's a really good deal going on at the mall. And I say to this person, oh, there's this great deal. You know, I'm going to go buy a new pair of shoes for the year, you know? And so they say, oh, that's great. You know, I'm going to come with you. So they come with me to the shop. And they lose whatever self-control they had over their addiction. I mean, they've got 10 boxes of shoes that are on sale by the time I found one pair. And by the time, the longer we stay in there, the more they find by the time we leave, I have one nice new pair and they've got like 30. You see, by just mentioning that I was going shopping for shoes, I caused them to stumble. I gave them a reason to go against their conscience by mentioning that sale. If I had abstained from mentioning going to that sale, it would have eliminated the temptation for that person before it was even presented. It would have never happened. We have a responsibility not just to love each other, but to act in that love as well. God didn't just love us. He acted in his love too. Who can say they love someone, but then do nothing to show it? Don't tempt your brother to go against their conscience and against their faith. Walk in a way that brings peace, glory to God, and helps to build up your brother in faith. Lead by example as Christ did. Love like he did. Act on it like he did. If that means you don't drink while with that brother, so be it. If it means you don't watch your favorite movie when you're hanging out with them, so be it. Don't, for the sake of these things, endanger your brother's faith. It's not worth it. Back in the verse. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. The first part again. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Whatever amount of faith you have, weak or strong, you're not to flaunt it in front of others. If your faith allows you to do something that another's faith wouldn't allow them to do, don't do it in front of them. Don't tempt them. Don't present that temptation. Don't drink in front of those who are convicted not to drink. Don't put on a movie for anyone who's convicted not to watch that type of movie. Let's be clear, though. This is not moral relativism. God is clear throughout the whole Bible what is right and what is wrong. Paul is saying that if you are convicted that something that by itself is neither good nor bad is one or the other, stick to your conviction. If you don't, you will be going against your conscience and against your faith. When Paul says the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God, he's not saying we shouldn't share our faith. He's just saying that you should keep the level of your faith, perhaps, between you and God. Don't go around proclaiming what your faith allows you to do. It's between you and God. Here's an example. Say that you in your spare time are convicted to buy one of the many homeless people in the streets of Ottawa lunch. That's a great thing to do. But then you go around and tell everyone that you've done this great thing. In Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4, Jesus talks about this Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward for your Father from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, it to others, you're boasting in your work. The praise that you get from those around you, Jesus says that's your reward. You miss out on adding to your reward in heaven, your treasures in heaven. But if you buy that person lunch and you don't tell anyone of it, God knows. He sees what's done in secret, and he will reward you for your faith. Good deeds done in secret bring glory to God. You see, the point isn't, this is what I have done. Or this is what I can do. The point is God. Look what God has done. Look what God can do. Look what he is doing through those who have faith in him. By all means, share the gospel. Build up your community in faith. Grow together in Christ. But don't share what will injure others and their faith. That's between you and God. On the flip side of the weaker faith, don't fall into the temptation of griping and complaining against those of stronger faith that are able to do those things. Whether it's weak or strong faith, it's from God. In the verse, Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. If you keep your faith between you and God, not causing a brother to stumble uh, or doubt his faith by what you believe, You have no reason to judge yourself. If you approve of Star Wars, but you don't injure someone's faith by discussing it with them or watching it with them, you are blessed because you have not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Your faith allows for it, theirs does not, so you abstain. We should continue to strive to build up each other's faith. What if you're the other believer? the one who doesn't read or watch Star Wars and abstains from drinking. You must be just as careful as that other believer. Verse 23, But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. If you go against your convictions and watch the movie that you really didn't think you should be watching, but everyone wanted to watch it, you are going against your convictions. You're going against your faith. We must be careful as Christians what we watch and what we do. Whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Let us build up each other in faith so that we don't fall into judgment. That's the fourth point today. We should build up each other's faith so that we can stand firm and not fall into judgment. We should build up each other's faith so that we can stand firm and not fall into judgment. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. If you doubt as you eat or watch something, you condemn yourself. We as Christians need to have confidence in God and in our faith in Him. We need to help build each other up in our faith so that we stand firm and don't fall into judgment. That's not to say that you can lose your salvation. As a true believer, you have been redeemed and have a place in the Father's house. You can't lose that. The judgment seat of God, though, for believers is rewarding. In Matthew six nineteen to 21 Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God will reward each of us according to our works in faith. However, don't fall into judgment and miss out on your treasures in heaven. As believers, whether weak or strong in faith, God has welcomed each of us into his house as his adopted children. Refrain from judging others' levels of faith, but judge your own faith according to God's word and will. Matthew 17, Jesus says, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. See, with just that tiny amount of faith, we can move mountains. As Christians, we should constantly be building up each other's faith in pursuit of the cross. Don't condemn those around you. Instead, build up each other in Christ. Don't be a stumbling block. Instead, help and encourage each other to actively seek God's kingdom. Stand firm in your faith together. So that when the day comes, you do not fall into judgment. Be sure as you're walking in love that you are building up each other in faith. Act out your love. May you store treasure in heaven while pursuing Jesus and as you share his love with others. In all that you do, give glory, honor, and thanks to God. Amen. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you for your blessings and for Jesus, Lord, your Son, who you sent down from from heaven to become a man and to die on the cross for our sins, but not only to die, to just rise again from the dead, conquering death. Uh, We thank you for your endless grace and mercy in this, Lord. Uh, Bless each one as they go out today, Lord, and may we each bring glory and honor to your name. Amen.